Hello, and welcome to episode 244 of Constructing Comics, a podcast building stories one page and one panel at a time. On this episode, we have an interview with Ben Ferrari, creator of Carriers from Red 5 Comics, in previews now, and in shops in November of 2021. This is Matt, and I'm joined by Constructing Comics co-host Noah. Hey there. Ben, thanks so much for, for joining us on the podcast. Let's do how we, we normally start these interviews off. Let's, uh, let's do a quick bio. Um, and then an elevator pitch okay. for carriers, and then we'll get into some good old-fashioned making comics talk. Sure. Well, uh, thanks so much for having me. Um, I like doing uh, I like these like doing these interviews. I like telling people about the comics that I'm making. And uh, carriers is definitely the biggest um, book that I've done. It's gotten to the biggest level um, of any of the books that I've ever done. I've been involved with probably over 75 different projects, whether it's things that I've created, comics, um, graphic novels, uh, trade paperbacks, where I put those comics together. I've made a bunch of coloring books. Um, I've even made some puzzles. So Carriers is one of my favorite things I've made. And it's also, um, it, it's reaching um, a level that none of my other things have. And so this is very exciting for me. Um, Carriers is about... Mm -hmm. No, I was just going to say, like, if you were... Say like the, 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 you know, you got on an elevator and you looked over it and Jim Lee's there and he was like, hey man, what's yeah. Carriers about? What, what would you say? Weaponized carrier pigeons and their New York adventures. Are hey. they really having these adventures every month or is it all in their heads? So you have these four uh, regular old pigeons on a rooftop in New York City. Uh, they're cared for by this old man called the Keeper. And to, to, to everybody else, they look just like a couple of birds sitting on a rooftop. But in their, uh, in their minds, they have these, these wild, crazy adventures. And, um, and we, so we can do anything we want because at the end of every issue, we sort of hint that it was just made up. You know, there, there's something in the background of the story, whether it's a television set in a window across the street, whether it's, um, you know, someone uh, in the sky, an airplane, whether it's uh, newspaper clippings in the bottom of their cage or a comic book at the bottom of their cage or, or, or anything that they see out there, um, that it may have been that that uh, instigated this wild adventure you just read about. So um, the carriers is unusual, it's unique. And then this twist that we've got at the end, which in the end just turns out to be a small part of the book, pretty much the last page typically, um, it, it's got something unique in that. Very interesting. So um, yeah. during that bio, you said that you had worked on, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of, of 75 sort of projects. Let's let's go back to the beginning. What are some of your, you know, uh, early um, exposure to comics and what are some of like your, your influence? If you could tell us about the early days of, okay. of Ben. Sure. I have kind of a cool story. I, I think I'm 45, started reading uh, comics off the 7-Eleven spinner rack. Uh, when I was 10, so 35 years ago, I was reading Transformers and G.I. Joe comics primarily, and uh, I started tracing them and then uh, kept drawing. And, and here I am later, 35 years uh, of drawing and making up my own things. Um, I, uh, I went to a church in Fuller, and sorry, in, um, in Fullerton, no, Brea, California. I, I live in California now, Northern California, but I, I grew up in Southern California. I went to a church in Southern California called uh, EV Free Fullerton. And, um, and Rob Liefeld was also going to that church. And I oh. pestered this guy. And, you know, this is, this is when those uh, New Mutants issues were coming out before X-Force. 
And uh, he was at the top of his game at that point. In my mind, you know, it was, he was a star and I pestered him and I, you know, I wouldn't say I became friends with him, but we, I, I, he definitely knew who I was. I was hanging around all the time and he drove, he walked by one day when I was in my car and I said, Hey Rob, can I get a tour of your studio? Because his studio was right there, you know, a few blocks away really in Fullerton. And uh, he said, sure. And next thing you know, it was 95. I graduated high school in 94. So 95, 96, I worked for Liefeld in uh, Extreme Studios. First Image Comics, he got me a, an office, or I'm sorry, a, a job in the office, which was next door to Extreme at the time in Anaheim. And I worked there for a few months and then he pulled me over to Extreme. And I tell you guys, you know, if you love comics as much as me, you would understand what kind of experience this was working in that, in that uh, arena, you know, in that... Um, high paced environment. I think we were putting out 20 books a month. So holy moly. So yeah. you were like around people like Michael Turner and, and folks like that at that time? Mike, Michael Turner was a top cow guy. Okay. So he, he never, uh, in my time there, in my virtually two years, he never walked through the office. He was a top guy, okay. uh, sorry, top cow guy working for Mark Sil Silvestri. The guys that were in my, in my you know space all the time were Dan Fraga, Oh, wow. uh, Marat Michaels, Ced, Cedric Nocon, who did a ton of Supreme stuff, Kurt Hathaway, and Eric Stevenson. Eric was um, oh, man. The, the main editor there, and of course, he's Image Comics um, uh, publisher right now, and a partner, I believe. Um, you know, lots of lots of lower level guys, artists, and uh, letterers, and inkers. Uh, you know, guys like Stephen Platt were wandering by, and I'd talk to them once in a while. You know, so. It was amazing. I'd work my normal day shift there and then I'd stay at night and I'd help, um, I'd help ink backgrounds. I'd help uh, Kurt Hathaway letter, com letter the comics, you know. Um, I, I could go on and on. I, I've got a zillion stories and uh, it, was, it was one of the best times of my whole life. And then it ended in, uh, I wanna say early 96 and I kind of got out of comics for a while. Um, I moved up to the Bay Area, Bay Area Northern California in 2001 and I kind of started drawing again and uh, and I started making this book about um, North American mountain men early 1800s frontier genre so I realized I'm kind of skipping you know maybe you've got some questions about the extreme days but we'll I circle back uh, yeah, we, yeah, don't, we don't want to break the flow of this okay I, so, I I'm yeah. sorry I are you are you still I if, I would like to hear more about the extreme studio stuff sure. uh, as well Absolutely. If you got questions, throw them out. Um, I can circle back if you want. Either way. Sure. Um, I I have a question for you, and um, if you don't want to answer this, this is perfectly fine. Um, but I'm a uh, I'm we are friends on Facebook, and I saw something. I don't know if it was today or like a couple of days ago that you posted um, that Rob Liefeld owes you forty dollars, um, yeah. and that he has he has blocked you. Yeah. Um, if you don't want to talk about this, this is fine. But could we get a little bit of information on the, the $40 uh, that Rob sure. Liefeld owes you? <laughs> um, so my years at, at Extreme were the best time of my whole life, but then it ended very badly. And uh, um, details aren't important. Uh, I mean, I can certainly go into that too, but uh, I'd rather stay on a happy note. And so years went by and I, uh, I was not a fan of his, to, to put it mildly. 2010 comes around and, and, you know, the social media started, things started coming on. And so I sort of, I tried to forgive and forget, right. And uh, 
and 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 just be a fan again because the way it ended was so bad it was it, you know it was it was traumatic in a way so part of my um being a fan again was joining some of his um uh groups you know extreme um facebook groups extreme studios groups all, you know his huge fans are, are there and so I joined him and I had a good time and he was receptive to me being around and I was over my, um, my animosity towards him to the point where I was having a blast actually, you know, I, I was able to talk about my time at Extreme Studios and people appreciated my input. Um, and then, uh, and so I backed his brigade book. I wanna say it's been three years. It may be, I, 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 you know, the timeline is fuzzy, everything is. But um, I wanna say three years ago, I backed the um, brigade book and then I think maybe maybe more now, because I think it was two years ago, um, New York Comic Con. He he had copies there, and um, you know I patiently waited, and I see other guys getting their books, you know, and <laughs> mine just never showed. And it is 2021 November, and it's never shown up. And I, I you know he's sent emails as a, a sort of a broad email to everybody, you know, if if forever if for, for whatever reason you haven't gotten your books, let me know and send me your address, you know. So I do that. I send him the address no books, um, you know, specific emails. Hey, Rob, I still haven't got my books, blah, blah, blah. So, and that's what I mean. You know, I spent 40 bucks on a couple of brigade books trying to be a fan and, uh, you know, just trying to enjoy the comics that I enjoyed as a kid and, and this creator that I had so much respect for. And he, uh, he still hasn't got me the books. So I, I don't, you know, I don't, I put that out there. He owes me 40 bucks. I guess it was kind of tongue in cheek, but it's totally true. I'm not mm -hmm. making it up. I'm not, uh, you know, it's no joke. You know, he, he has $40 of mine. He's not going to send the comics. I want them. So that's that story there, you know, and I, I think well, it's kind of a, um, it's kind of an unusual move, I think, to call out somebody at that level, but I also don't really care, you know? Yeah. I mean, it, it is something that it's sort of like, I, I didn't have anything that bad, but like, I, I understand that feeling completely. Like, cause I just, I got a book at the beginning of the summer that took three years to get to me you know, that I paid $60 for, and it was only 80 pages long. Okay. You know, that's, that's something yeah. I understand completely that if frustration. Can, yeah. If I can, if I can one up you on that one, you know, I was late to the brigade game. It had been going, I think for five or six, five or six years Oh my gosh. before I even joined, um, you know, threw my money. in. so, you know, I, I, that one's gotta be five or six years minimum late. It's, it's done now, but um, you know, yeah. So it, it took him forever and I still haven't gotten my book. That's the story with uh, that dumb post on Facebook. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, somebody who's who's run a couple of Kickstarters. I mean, I take that sort of social contract that that I'm entering in with with somebody uh, mm -hmm. to back that book. I take that you know it, it, it very serious. That um, you know I have an open line of communication, um, and I do everything in my power to 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 deliver the books you know i'll have people who you know are friends of mine who like don't fill out the survey because they're just yeah. sort of like supporting me and they don't really necessarily care about the comic i'm like hey dude can you go in and, and fill out your survey uh so i can get so i can get you your books like I, you know it's it, it i take that social contract of you know um you back my kickstarter um, I got to do everything in my power uh, to get you these books and I'm not going to stop until I can sort of look at that spreadsheet and go, all right, the last one is, is, is out the door. And uh, I, and I also won't start my next 
um, crowdfunding project until every book from the previous one is is out the door. So I, I take that stuff very seriously. So I can understand um, both Noah and and your sort of uh, frustration in a long time, and then also a long time and and not getting the book. Yeah, you know, and like just like you, I've ran five or six Kickstarters, you know, and uh, and everybody's always gotten their books, and so uh, you know, I, I I can't help but take it personally when he refused to send me mine or my money back. Mm-hmm. So. or blocks you on facebook yeah yeah that was that was stupid i think that was a politics thing i'm pretty um he blocked me i think not oh yeah so he blocked me not i don't want to say it was related to the brigade thing the brigade thing was separate blocking me was um i think just politics there was no there was no um you know final straw no no arguments certainly and that's what uh you know so he was just gone one day and I'm pretty vocal. I'm, I'm on the left side of the spectrum, no question. And I realize that's not for everybody. And I realize uh, I probably offend some people, no question about it. And I realize people block me and I block others. And that is what it is. And so I think that's what happened with him. So I, if I made it sound like that was related to the brigade thing, it's not. So. Okay. Um, maybe the, the shift to sort of uh, the still stay with the extreme studios and the image stuff. Were you there like when they were like, doing like the the tours where they had like the the guys dressed up um as as like Mm -hmm. the sort of the cosplay and going to the different shops yes um did i do shops per se the extreme tour i want to say was a little bit before me okay but i did two san diego shows with them you know and i manned the uh the young blood battle cruiser wow (laughs) i have a funny story not funny i it's funny to me uh so rob says one day um you know after a long day of standing there in the battle cruiser as people shuffle through, he's like, what do you want in return? You know, how can I say thanks? And uh, I said, you know what I want? And I pointed at a, so when they do color separations, when Extreme Color was doing their thing, they would print out a page, everything, covers, pages, pinups, and they'd print it out on this really hefty paper and they'd pin it up on a wall and people would stand there and look at it and make corrections or whatever. So there was a Jeff Johnson piece. Jeff Johnson's one of my favorite artists ever. And he actually, did one of uh, the covers for Carriers Number One, another subject. But uh, he had done a piece with Shaft, Bad Rock, and Prophet. And uh, I just absolutely loved it. You know, these are favorite characters of mine at the time, favorite artist, blah, blah, blah. So I said, I want that. And he was stunned. He, he's like, he said, uh, you sure you don't want cash? Like everybody wants cash. That's, that's what people want. And I said, no, I want that. And I still have it to this day. It's one of my pride and joys. Wow. Part of my collection. That's- yeah it's amazing um so yeah we did a lot of uh a lot of san diego shows well two of them anyway um i don't think i did any other tour type stuff to my recollection so when when we started off this interview like i didn't know all the stuff that we're learning now and i was like the elevator opens and jim lee is there and you can pitch them uh do you have do you have any i know like they were sort of like different studios, but did you ever have any interactions with Jim Lee? Were you ever in the same room with him? There was a San Diego, and I'm, I'm talking briefly. Uh, there was a party after the show at San Diego. I remember uh, Eric Larson was there and Jim Lee. Um, not that I had any personal interactions with them um, over the years. I, I, there was at one point uh, hanging out with Frega that uh, Jim was there too. That was kind of cool. But um you know, there was a lot of people that I guess that walked through the studio 
um, oh boy, uh, let's see, there was one comic he did um, called Sisters of Mercy. And I wanted, that was maybe the Maximum Press days. And that was done, that was put out, I wanna say by Poison, um, the band Poison, and they wandered through the office. Oh, um, wow. <laughs> so there were those, some of those types of people that came through from time to time. You know, uh, Larry Marger was um, publisher, I think, at the time. He was there all the time. Um, Valentino was in and out. Uh, so, yeah, I'd have to rack my brain to see if there was any any huge stars. I think Rob would typically leave to go meet up with people, you know, not in the comic scene. Sure. And then people would stop by. But, you know, I, I, was, I, was, a, I was basically an assistant editor. Um yeah, yeah, assistant editor sometimes, gopher sometimes will do whatever needs to be done. I did a lot of letters, letters pages, okay. which is hilarious because I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> I think every time I sent uh, files off to Clydeen Me with in color, I think she had to fix it all every single time. You know, um, if you actually look through some of those old books, uh, Brigade and Newman and uh, Bloodstrike, you'll find some of my art on envelopes that I would sketch out just to include in the letters pages. Uh, so. <laughs> awesome. I, 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 yeah, um, I ended up writing a few letters too, which is kind of funny now that I think about it. Well, now I want to go back and watch all the image documentaries when they would have the footage from the cons and the ship uh, yeah. at the booth yeah. and now look for you. It's possible. In all of them. You might be in there. <laughs> yeah. It's possible. You know, the funny thing about that is um, my name doesn't appear in any books. If you, uh, there was a guy named Tom Ryder who's on, uh, who's on Facebook, he's around. He was an assistant to Kurt Hathaway and uh, he got assistant editor credit, you know, from day one. And I don't know if I didn't stand up for myself. I, I certainly did not stand up for myself, but I never asked, you know, and uh, it never seemed like important to me. I didn't care. I didn't really worry about it. Now I look back and I definitely wish I had made a stink of it, you know, like what's up with that? Because I was Matt Hawkins assistant um, you know, doing whatever he needed to do, to do. And then the Maximum Press books was his baby. And so I was assistant editor on those as well. So, you know, you're not going to find my name in any books. That, that's kind of the downside to that whole story. So I would have one more question about image, um, but then we, we it, uh, Noah might have one, but I, I, I want to sure. not dwell on, on image. Uh, you know, one of the stuff that or one of the, you know, the stories was like how notoriously like late all the books became, um, you know, McFarlane, Rob Liefeld, mm -hmm. I think like Jim Lee was pretty much on time. But like there's a story of like everybody being like late all the time. Like what was your experience with that? Um, my experience was you had a studio full of extremely hardworking people. Um, that if there's blame to go around in that particular studio, um, it was a matter of overextending themselves and just mm. having too many projects they wanted to do. Okay. And so, um, you know, were they, was there laziness? I can't say there was, I, I just can't, I, I'm not, I, I cannot say that there was an ounce of laziness. These people worked their asses off, you know, they worked all day and all night, you know, they, they, um, one colorist got fired because he took a few hours off and went to uh, the, the the Angels game next door. Angel Stadium was right next door. You er, were expected to finish pages and finish them, you know, on time. So um, why were they late all the time? I think there was definitely a level of, you know, they needed to make money. 
Mm-hmm. And the more books you put out, the more money you make. And so they come up with an idea and maybe it, uh, you know, the numbers on the sales um, just didn't, uh, you know, it wasn't a priority because the sales weren't there. I don't know. You look at a guy like Stephen Platt, um, he was just extremely slow. You know, that was, that's probably the main book I would think that people look at. Oh, you can point at a lot of books at Extreme Studios, of course, that were late. They had a reputation for it. They deserved it. But that was the main one, I think. And we're talking months and months late to the point where uh, the studio, Extreme Studios, put out an ad blaming the artist. Our, art, oh our artist is, is tardy. Please forgive us or whatever. You know, Don't quote me on that. But the artist is tardy. Due to the tardiness of the artist. That's what it was. Due to the tardiness of the artist. So you know, they were paying him a lot of money and he, um, and he had ex- an extreme level of detail but in his work, which takes a lot of time. Um, but he also, um, I think he was working on multiple issues at the same time and he kind of got caught. He would skip ahead to fun pages on the next issue, um, you know, <laughs> things like that. So, um, yeah, I, I'd say overextending themselves for late books. Um, and then, you know, tardiness of the artists. But I can't say anybody was lazy per se. You know, they, they, if they put a book out, I, I want to believe they intended to put it out and put it out on time. And, and things, um, things don't always happen the way you want. And let's face it, it was a bunch of kids working together. Sure, you know, yeah. Rob started that studio at, uh, oh my God, I want to say 22, 23. Jeez, so you know, and, and um, as much um, grief as he gets, he put out uh, an incredible amount of content, whether you liked it or not, doesn't matter. He put out, put it out and it was usually of a decent quality. And, um, you know, and that's what you do as a publisher. You, you, it is your job to put out something monthly. And I think he gave it a real try. So. I, I, I lied. I I have one more image question. Sure. <laughs> um, there's sort of an urban legend about the the Tom Cruise um, Rob Liefeld uh, meeting where Rob like showed up extremely late and and Tom Cruise was uh, yelling at him. Do do you have any any knowledge of that? No, I think okay. that came that that whole thing was after me. Okay, I believe right. Uh, I I I love Rob Liefeld's podcast, uh, Rob Observations. I listen to it regularly. I love it. I think he's extremely entertaining, even though he leaves a lot of uh, things out that might, you know, be uh, not so good for his image. There is that truth, but he also is um, has a lot of cool insights. And so, I guess my point with that is, I listened. He talked a lot about that in one of the episodes. Oh, okay. And that's my only knowledge of that. I never heard of. He didn't actually mention anything about Tom Cruise yelling at him. Like I said, he likes he'll he'll tell you the, the cool parts of the story. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. So so I monopolized a lot of that image uh, questions, but it was it was very exciting for me. But I, I just want to see if Noah has one, and then we'll we'll move more into to other stuff. Sure. I mean, I think we could devote a whole podcast to just talking about image stuff. So I fun. think Matt, you asked all the key questions. I, I would rather move on and talk yeah. about the p- carriers and your other comics, Ben. Whatever you guys want. I, this is your show. Okay. So you, you, you have these experiences early on um, that we sort of talked about during these image days. And then you, you said you moved up north into to Northern California. You sort of started drawing again. Um, what were some of the things that you were working on at that time? Have you seen the book, the movie Legends of the Fall? I have seen yeah. that movie, yes. Brad, Brad Pitt, coolest guy in the whole world in that movie. 
anyway, I love the movie and uh, and I wanted to do a Legends of the Fall comic book. Fast forward, I did four issues of a book called The Long Hunters, which was my version of Brad Pitt's character leaving the United States and going uh, going around the world having these adventures. So The Long Hunters, four issues. It took me about 10 years to do the whole four issues um, because just because. Uh, and I probably put it together in a trade paperback in 2013. So we're talking over 10 years of The Long Hunters. 2009, um, I started making non-Long Hunters uh, books, more superhero, what I grew up with. And, um, and I met some people on um, digital webbing, uh, a guy named Matt Grant, a guy named Buck Weiss. Um, we, uh, Matt and I made a, made a bunch of short stories, black and white. We put them together into a four issue series over, over a couple of years called Lady Fight. And we put those together in a trade paperback. So at this point by 2013, I have two trade paperbacks under my belt, all black and white. Um, Buck Weiss and I created, and again, a lot of my creations, um, I don't, I try not to do just straight up superhero stuff, even though. I do love it. But, but when I think about it, I don't read Batman. I don't read Justice League. Um, so I don't, um, you know, my, my main focus is not on the, the capes and cowls, I guess I could say. And so if I'm going to make something, it's going to be a little bit different than the normal superhero stuff. So, so far we have Long Hunters. We have a female action, action stories with Lady Fight. And then I created something called the Sun Chasers. And uh, I, a lot of times I'll create an idea and I, I'll, I'll call myself a producer or a showrunner because I, I don't, uh, I like to draw, but I don't like to sit and write stories. That's not my thing. I don't sit at a typewriter and come up with stories. There's a lot of guys who love it. And so I want them to take the reins and develop a story, sometimes based on a plot that I've come up with, or we co-plot and then they'll sit and write the story. So Buck and I created this thing called The Sun Chasers. And it's probably, besides The Carriers, it's probably my number one book to this day. Um, it's about the son of Hitler out to redeem the Hitler name. He's a good person taking out people like his father, um, sort of like the Punisher with a much better backstory. Mm -hmm. And so we created this. And the Sun Chasers is, is an organization in the U.S. government that wants, wants to wipe this Hitler stain, the Hitler name off the planet. So you got this good drama between Henry Hitler and the Sun Chasers organization. So we did a graphic novel with that with artist uh, Kurt Belcher. That one's on uh, Amazon available right now. Um, since then, I've done a, a Sun Chasers number one. I did the interior artwork where we just uh, see where Henry Hitler is after that graphic novel. Um, what else? Sun Chasers and then um, Jay Hewer and I, um, I'd say actually that's about when I created the carriers, weaponized carrier pigeons and their New York adventures. And again, I created the idea um, the main character, Fable, um, and some basic story plots or story points. And um, I put it out there on Facebook and Erica J. Heflin got back to me, a really good indie writer. Uh, she'd done a lot of books with a company called Inverse and Greyhaven a few years ago. Um, and she took it and she made it a thousand times cooler than I ever um, imagined, right? So she wrote a, she wrote the first issue. That's, I believe you guys uh, maybe have read that one. Mm -hmm. She wrote that one and, um, and I got uh, Jim O'Reilly to do the art. He wasn't able to finish the book. I got Elias Martins uh, to do the rest to uh, finish the issue. And that's the one coming out in November, uh, November 10th, a couple of weeks from now. So we're talking, you know, six, seven years ago, I created it 
and uh, started work on it. And um, in those six or seven years, I've I've finished, I would say, um, eight or so full comics. Um, and this was this is the first one we're, we're releasing with Red Five. So in that time, I created lots of other books too. But uh, get you know, getting up to speed, getting up to now, we're at Carriers. So, where did the idea from Carriers come from? I mean, it sounds like it sounds like from the pitch, it sounds like something maybe you would be pondering while you were walking through the city or something like that. So I'm curious <laughs> what the origins were. Um, well, you know, when you when you think of something cool, you think, how can I make that into a comic book? That's really mm -hmm. what it is. And carrier pigeons is something that we all think is cool. I've never heard anybody disparage carrier pigeons. And we all think they're kind of cool. They, they fly around and they're trained and they bring messages and things like that. And so it just seemed like low-hanging fruit. You know, I, I've never seen it done as a comic book. And like the Sun Chasers, um, <clears throat> that's the type of thing I want to do is something that hasn't been done a hundred times. And, uh, you know, it is similar to the turtles, no question about it. Um, as opposed to the turtles, which have you know similar outfits, each of these characters are uh, individual, extremely different looking characters, extremely different um, personalities. So it is unique to the turtles. It is not a clone whatsoever. Yeah, I, I actually was thinking that while I was reading it, I was like, oh, this has got some good Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Sure. Uh, energy obviously and it's sort of like action and sort of sim the simple the simplicity between the good and evil sides of things like you know you draw upon a lot of the like iconography of knowing who's good and who's bad pretty easily of course um but i have to say like i did not get but now like it makes so much sense you saying you know earlier where you were like the the twist is that it could just all be in the minds of these pigeons because yeah. i remember the whole time asking myself i'm like okay, there's this battle between the rats and the pigeons, but why? And that's never explained really, other yeah. than maybe just, you know, the two animals just hating each other naturally, right? Yeah. But in their minds, there's this like, grand narrative. I love that. Yeah, um, we are definitely dropping you in the middle of an ongoing battle, for sure. Yeah. You know, and that, uh, that can be fleshed out in the future. Um, yeah, uh, it's all in their minds, or is it? And, um, and they have tons of adversaries. The Croc King we're introduced to, uh, the King yeah. of the Underworld, basically, and his henchmen, the, uh, the Rat Pack. And then we've got the Falcon Brothers, a pair of mafioso-style Falcons uh, in New York City. Um, issue two, which um, we, we introduce a group of seagulls, pirate seagulls. Um, <laughs> nice. And Captain Greyfeather. Uh, and so... We're just expanding the, the villain roster every issue. Issue three actually um, is less of a, of a villain. Um, it's a storm. Um, so over the years, I, a lot of these books have been in print through Indie Planet. Okay, so they're not in print anymore through Indie Planet. I took them off when I made the deal with Red Five. So there are some, uh, some previously, you know, previous versions of these books out there. But... Uh, Basically, issue three, we there's a massive storm that hits uh, New York City, and it, it was called the book was called Carriers Storm of the Century, and so mm. uh, this is now Carriers number three, Storm of the Century. Um, but you know, so nature is the enemy in this one. You know, it, uh, they, so they have a lot of rescuing and, and heroics to do of different animals and birds around New York City, as well as um, the Rat Pack doing a jewelry heist. Uh -huh. <laughs> 
that they have to contend with. Um, issue four, we, uh, we, uh, is we introduce a group of owls called the Parliament, and they're extremely violent owls. They're, they're heroes, they're good guys, they claim to be good guys, but the carriers draw a line. They have a very defined black and white view. You know, you don't kill. Uh, but the the um, the parliament absolutely disagrees, and they there's a little bit of violence um, in that issue four carriers number four, and uh, instead of working together, it, it creates a, a big tension between the two groups and their adversaries by the end of it. Um, uh, that one is written, uh, art by Jason Kimball, who did one of the two covers, um, and then issue five we have. Uh, we have aliens attacking. <laughs> so it's, it runs the gamut. We can go with this idea that it's all in their heads. We can, we can go as big as we want. And these aliens, I'm telling you the art in, in all of these books, I, I'm extremely proud of, but I just in three or four days ago, got the colors and letters back for carriers. Number five with art by Federico Gillen and uh, colors and letters by Seb Valencia. And I'm telling you these pages for carriers. Number five are some of the best looking things I've ever put out there. Um, it's a it's a big issue. We went big on the finale, the final issue of Carriers, Carriers Number Five for this season uh, is a fat issue. I want to say thirty six pages, and it just looks so good. It's just a beautiful book, and we actually sort of ended on a cliffhanger um, going into uh, the, the story wraps up, but there's definitely questions, and then we'll go into season two. Um, I'd say mid next year when I get uh, four more issues done. Interesting. So you, you, you described a lot of this talking about the issues, but you describe yourself as, as a showrunner. So I envisioned you sort of, um, you know, heavily into sort of file management, checking in mm -hmm. where like various aspects of the, the, the comic are. Do you feel like that is a, a good descriptor of uh, being a showrunner? That's it. You know, I mean, you could call it an editor, but it's so much more than an editor. Marvel Comics has editors, but uh, there's lots of people behind the scenes. And I'm kind of doing it all on the carriers as far as editing, looking at scripts, approving scripts, uh, plots, you know, two of the issues. I want to, I think two of the issues, no, maybe just one of the issues for um, the season two, I came up with a plot and um, my, my main writer on the series now, Jay Hewer, who wrote a couple in the first season, he sat down and he, and he banged out this, great story based on my plot and he took my plot and he made it even better and so those pages will uh, you know a guy named Luis Rivera who lives uh, down the street from me here um, he's in Oakland he will draw it and uh, those pages will come in and I'll size them properly I'll give them the right borders that I want um, when they're all ready at 300 dpi and sized correctly to red five specs I will send them to and Luis does his own ink so that's a step I don't have to worry about I'll send that to Seb Valencia, who is my number one colorist and letterer these days. He does it all. Oh, wow. And then those will come back and, um, you know, I'll put it together in one PDF and send it to uh, Joshua Starnes and Scott Chitwood over at uh, Red 5. And it'll, it'll go into previews. That's the whole process. Some, some books are more difficult. Some are easy. But, uh, yeah, I, I make it all happen. I find the colorist. I decide on the on the on the cover artists, you know, I just, I, I wanted two covers on each issue, Red 5 approved that, and I submitted to them which covers I wanted, and uh, and they were happy, and off we go. Yeah, if I could pitch, not that you have to take this title, but your, your title sounds very similar to sort of what Jonathan Hickman has over at Marvel, 
right now with X-Men. So I would, I would consider you being oh. like master of carriers. That's, <laughs> yes. that's the title. No question. About it. I am the master of carriers. Thank you so much for that. Yes. Um, uh, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm curious Erica, how, I'm oh, yeah. sorry, you go ahead. No, sorry. Ben, well, I, I wanted to say that Erica, uh, I want to make sure she gets due credit because she owns half this thing. You know, she made it what it is. If care, if not for me, carriers wouldn't exist. If it wasn't for Erica Heflin, it would not be as cool as it is. Right. So I do a lot of the day-to-day -day stuff and she's there when I have ideas or questions or I need, you know, I need something, but it, it's me day-to-day -day making these things happen. And so it's worked out just fine. I enjoy the details behind the scenes and she's got other things she's going, she's doing day-to-day. -day. She's, she did the first issue. And at this point she may be back for a second one, but that's up in the air. So. That's awesome. So uh, you, you said earlier that you went through a, a different publisher at first with this book, right? Um, no, actually. Uh, no, okay. See. So you could say that, sure. It went through me. I'm Pilot yeah, Studios. You. I don't think I've even mentioned my, my publishing name, but um, I've been publish, uh, publishing as Pilot Studios primarily for about 10 years. And so most of my books, um, Earthbound Comics for a couple of years, and then I switched to Pilot Studios. And so most of my books have that publisher label. And so the, the, the books that I finished and were out under Indie Planet, I think I mentioned Indie Planet. That's probably what you're thinking of. Yes. Uh, that's Indie Planet is just about. a website, a great, great website uh, that also is a printer. And so I will uh, you know, get books printed through them and they'll sell a couple copies once in a while on their website, Indie Planet, Kablam being the printing side. But no, and then I did a, a crowdfunding for it um, last year. And here we are with uh, with Red Vibe. So it's really all worked out pretty well. You know, I've been working on it for a long time and I have a, a solid publisher with Josh Starnes and uh, and Chitwood. These guys are nice guys and they're on it. They have, they're, they're detail oriented and they do what they say they're going to do, you know? Um, and I've heard so many stories from friends of mine who are, I'm not going to bash any other um, publishers, but there's publishers out there who have really bad reputations right now for not getting back to their creative teams, you know, and, and I'm telling you, Red Five are a couple of great guys doing great work. So I'm very proud that the Carriers is with them and I hope to do a lot more, a lot more Carriers and, and hopefully other books with them too. So how did you get connected with Red Five on this book? Um, Josh Starnes saw my um, uh, Kickstarter for Carriers that I ran and, uh, and contacted me after it was over. It it failed. The Kickstarter failed. And uh, I attribute that to, you know, because I believe in the book and I know that people love it. It's when I do shows in the Bay Area, it's, it's between the carriers and sun chasers that are always my, my best sellers. People are always like, do you have any more carriers? You know, so I knew I know it is a good, high quality product. What happened with the uh, Kickstarter? I, I and I take full responsibility and I, I went to a higher level than I should have as far as a goal, you know. I've ran a, I, I ran uh, three issues of uh, a, a large book, uh, graphic novel called Always Punch Nazis. And they were successful, you know, um, like really successful. In my, in my world, really successful is like six or $7,000. And that's what yeah. I did for all of those. And, and, um, and they were well-received and, you know, it wasn't an issue funding. And so I thought I could translate that and I've done, I think, I want to say two or three others too. And I thought I could translate that audience for Always Punch Nazis to the carriers. And that turned out to be completely different audiences. So 
uh, about halfway through that campaign, it was obvious that I wasn't going to be able to, you know, um, climb that, that mountain. And so I, I canceled it, not the end of the world. And, um, you know, we were going to look at doing something else, reconfiguring it. And, uh, and then Josh Starnes got a hold of me and said, Hey, this looks good. You know, do you have any more? Because at that point I was just doing carriers number one on Kickstarter. He said, do you have any more? I said, yeah, I have lots of finished carriers books. And so I've been talking to him ever since, and we're going to have the first issue in stores in three weeks. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Two weeks. So I have a question about uh, going back to show running. Um, it seems like you have like various, and this is probably true of anybody um, in comics production. You have uh, different issues in various states of, of production. How do you yeah. sort of juggle like, you know, um, you know, say like you're preparing like a, a PDF of an issue that's ready to go. And you're also looking at like, um, you know, process art from another issue one issue is getting ready for letters how do you handle sort of things being in in various states of completion uh very it's it's uh it's difficult it's not for everybody you know dropbox is what i use for that i have a vast amount of folders i probably could get rid of three quarters of them and uh, my life would be a lot easier but um, you know, I'll have a carrier's folder, carriers one, two, three, four, five. Each one has all of the art and scripts in it and the covers. And so I'm in and out of those, you know, sometimes a couple times every night. Mm -hmm. um, and then last night, for example, I have an animated pitch Bible for the carriers that we're working on. I don't want to, uh, I don't want to sound too excited, but um, there are people interested in carriers, possibly. It's, it's very, very premature for even this announcement. <laughs> I can't <laughs> believe I'm talking about it. But I am doing the final um, uh, run through where Jay Hewer and I are working on a, uh, the final draft of a animated pitch Bible for the carriers for, uh, as, you know, for a cartoon. It's got 30 episodes. So that's what I spent last night doing, a couple hours um, going over that. And it was originally written by Johnny Arnold, Johnny J.D. Arnold, who uh, runs a, a really great comic book shop in uh, Santa Cruz called Comicopolis. Anyway, he wrote it a few years ago. Jay and I have been um, going over it recently because there's interest um, from certain parties. So, um, you know, and then I have, I have the book I'm working on, which is called Kanan, the Marauder. It's basically Conan as a bunny. <laughs> and um, I'm eight or nine pages in. So I'll, I'll do an hour working on my pages and then I'll do editing on, um, on you know, this uh, animated pitch Bible. And then I was just finishing up carriers number five, carry, um, letters and uh, colors that came in two or three days ago. So it is, it's a juggling act, you know? Sometimes you don't, I don't do anything in the evening except draw. Uh, sometimes, sometimes I'm sitting in front of the computer, editing, reading scripts, looking at new pages. We have an amazing artist named Elias Martins who did the second half of carriers number one and, uh, and is doing a full issue for season two um called a winter's coup the, uh, that's the story and um so anyway i have you know i have pages coming in from him um for season two we we just finished the script a week a couple weeks ago for this luis rivera issue in uh that he's gonna start soon and i'm really looking forward to this i did the plot uh basically um dark dove so we got fable the dark dove which is sort of a techie batman style character uh, we've got Gladius, um, 
female. She wears armor, um, glad gladiator armor and a, and a sword. And then we got Cherry Bomb, the second female in the group. And she flies around and drops cherry bombs and she's awesome. But this will this issue will focus on Dark Dove and uh, it'll be a solo spotlight issue. And he goes back and, and, and we introduce him to some of his former trainers, ninjas in, uh, in a in a uh, in a house in New York City. And so we've got this really big story, solo story with the Dark Dove that I'm really excited about, um, you know, so. It, it varies. I guess your question is, you know, how do I do it? it? It sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's hard. But if you want to make comics and you, you know, uh, you want them to come out ever, then you have to get stuff done. And I think I have a lot of people that like to work with me because when I start a project, typically I can actually get it done, right? Mm -hmm. And so they're not wasting their time. So I, I think I have that going for me. Awesome. So I would think the sort of tie, not to say that the interview is over, but to sort of tie everything together. Mm -hmm. um, do you feel that your experience um, at Extreme Studios in those early days of Image and sort of everything, um, you know, being a hustle and sort of you being a, uh, like a person on call, like I need somebody to do this. I need I need a gopher to go grab that. Um, mm -hmm. I need you to help out inking uh, backgrounds, letter, do a letter column. Do you think some of that time that you spent there, it was sort of the early training ground um, to to have you where you are now, where you're sort of doing this um, again? <laughs> That's exactly what it was. It was a training ground. I like that term. Um, at Extreme Studios, they would put up the cover of every issue up on a wall. You know, they'd start in the left-hand corner of this massive wall and da -da 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 -da, and then they'd go up all the way across and then they'd start a new row beneath it. And uh, for the 10 years that I've been making books, that's what I've been doing, you know, and my office these days is a lot smaller than it used to be like three or like four years ago. So I don't get to put up my new books anymore. I've got um, probably 20 books um, on my wall right? Just sort of as, as trophies of what I've done. Um, but so, yeah, I, I, I you know, the, what I did at, at Extreme Studios was so important and it, it basically taught me that any of this stuff can be done. All these people working there are very normal people um, and they all have different jobs and different levels of quality, but there's somebody in charge and somebody has to make the schedule and somebody has to come up with a story and that's what I do to these day to this day. Now, to be clear, I'm an electrician by day. I'm married. I got three kids. I got a mortgage, so I don't make a living making comics. Far from it, right? Um, I have a I have a good job that I go to every day, but comics is what I love to do, and that's how I spend my evenings. Two hours or so a night, I get to draw or make comics, and so yeah, that was an absolutely perfect training ground to make comics, you know. And I haven't given up yet which um, i thank god i didn't because you know even with the failure of carriers kickstarter um worked out in the best way you know because i love making books but i don't love um i don't love dealing with the distributor right mm -hmm. diamond um doing um you know marketing sending emails to comic book stores i'm doing that for the carriers right now but it's not something I want to do. So if I'm going to make comic books, I have the absolute perfect um, <clears throat> method right now where I get to make a book pretty hands off from Red 5, by the way. They don't tell me what to do. Um, and then they take care of that diamond stuff. 
They take care of the printing stuff. That is exactly what I want. You know, I want to make comics. I don't want to sell them is, is what's going on. So, um, yeah, everything I'm doing now, I've been training for for a long time, basically. And it's, it's working out very well. I'm very happy. Awesome. So, you know, as you described that, you know, we're at the time of this recording, we're roughly about two to three weeks away from, from carriers hitting shops. And I know that you have this, this background and you've created a lot of stuff. Um, have you, uh, this is sort of a, a first for you to, to, to be in, I, I'm, I'm guessing this is sort of a first for you to, to be in diamond yep. and, mm-hmm. and to have a book on a shop. So do you have any plans uh, the day Carriers One hit shop to just sort of go and look at it sitting sitting on a rack oh, somewhere. Oh, I'm not going to do only that. I'm going to Joe Fields Flying Colors in Concord, my local comic book store, and I'm going to be sitting there when people come in that Wednesday morning. I'm very excited. Um, you know, nobody knows who I am. I, I, you know, I've met. I know all the people that work there. I've met some of the customer, other customers. But uh, nobody's going to know who I am. All they're going to know is that uh, Joe will have a special guest, and that's me. And they'll come in, and I'll show them my comic. And it's going to be a blast, you know. Um, again, drawing and making comics for 35 years, this will be, be a first. It'll be a special day. So, yeah, I'm going to go into the comic book store, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a little mini signing. If people want to buy it, I'll sign it, and it'll be fun. Awesome. awesome. That's that's going to be a lot of fun. Noah, uh, do you have uh, any any questions here? Um, I know I, I have a lot of questions, but I kind of hope you'll come back and we can talk more about, you know, process with yeah. your comic art and everything like that. Um, I appreciate the offer. Of course, I'd love. Yeah. To. Yeah. It would because uh, I think we just scratched the surface, but it sounds like your history with comics is so rich. Like we kind of need like this to be like a three hour long interview or something like that to get into I, everything I'd like to I, talk I about. Love, I love the idea. I love uh, talking about my time at Extreme Studios. I'm extremely proud of it. Um, I had a blast, made a lot of friends, lifelong friends. Um, so yes, of course, I would love to do that. I want to say also that I'm, uh, I think the week after <clears throat> uh, going to a signing in Benicia, California at Zeppelin Comics, it comes out on the 10th. I want to say the 20th. Um, Alex DeLuca and I, another Red 5 creator who did a book called Dragon Whisperer, we're going to do a signing um, at Zeppelin Comics. So if there's anybody interested in that and you're in the area, come on by. Awesome. Um, you know, as we get back to normal and, 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 and cons are going, do you, do you have any, uh, any con plans um, for the stuff that you have or maybe uh, in the future when, there, when there's more issues of carriers out in, in the world? Yeah. I think um, I'm in the middle of, how do I put this delicately, uh, retooling my, my con um, appearances, I guess is the right word, even though I don't, that sounds pretty, uh, sounds pretty full of myself. But, um, you know, I've been doing conventions for a long time. I do three or four a year, not huge, and just in the Bay Area. You know, when you're, when you're making a comic book and you make a dollar or a dollar fifty on each book, you don't, uh, if you're lucky to make your table costs, right? Sure. Table's a hundred bucks or 150 bucks. Um, so I, I've always been small time. As far as that goes, I've always had a lot of books on my table. If anybody goes to my pilot studios page on Facebook, you'll see a zillion pictures that I've taken over the years with people who buy the books at shows. And, and don't get me wrong. I love going to shows. I love talking to people about my comics, but, um, you know, there's only, uh, uh, 
making your own books and going to shows and having books on any planet, um, there's a certain level that you're going to reach. And, um, and I want to move to that next level where the books are now in stores. And that's mm -hmm. where I've reached with the carriers. So um, the books that, that I'm working on currently as pilot studios, um, they are getting a back seat. You know, the carriers is taking my time right now because that's my most important by far property. And so, um, you know, I think when I'm going back to cons more and I've done a couple in the last six months, I've done, I think three, and um, I want it to be a carrier's oriented thing because people may have actually heard of that book. Mm -hmm. And that is what I'm looking for. You know what I mean? I want, um, I, I love making comics, but I'm not doing it uh, for grins. I would like to um, make an, you know, some kind of income and have some kind of impact uh, from it so that I can justify the time and the money that I've spent over the years. And I know a lot of people probably find that offensive that I would dare want to make money or a living from it but um sorry no i, I want to make money and a living from this and so carriers is my number one thing so if i can promote carriers then i'll do shows but until then i'm going to take a little rest uh from doing shows and 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 trying to sell you know different the the other books mm -hmm. um that's kind of where i am at this moment in the in, are we in october still yeah in october yes. 2021 um i'm, I'm I'm slowing down my conventions because when I go back, I'll have a few issues of the carriers under my belt and uh, maybe just do red five sort of signings and, and, you know, uh, be on a slightly different, uh, slightly better um, le uh, level ledge, uh, higher ledge, I don't know, uh, with red five and, and, and a book that people have actually heard of. So that's what I'm, that's what I'm thinking right now as far as conventions. <clears throat> Awesome. So uh, to sort of tie into that, one of the important things uh, as, as you sort of increase your exposure, you know, you have a book that's in previews, it's going to be in shops. Um, but one of the important things for somebody that, you know, has a book that's at a publisher like Red 5 is, is, is pre-orders. You know, a book that has Spider-Man or has Batman on it is, is you know, a shop a shop owner is going to buy that and he's going to put it on a shelf, yeah. but a book that, you know, is from, from another publisher that, you know, is not in the front of the book. Maybe that, you know, I think DC and Marvel have their own sort of separate um, sections of previews or even, you know, if you get the paper ones, they're in different books. Um, but, you know, one of the important things is, is, is to tell your, your LCS that you want this book so that they pre-order it for you. Um, and you have a copy in your, um, you know, if you have a pull box, it'll be in your box. But it also what it will do is that, you know, maybe if two or three people go to their shop owner and say, hey, you know, I want this book, The Carriers, mm -hmm. he might see that there's a little bit of steam behind it. Yep. And instead of two, he's like, you know what, I'm going to take the chance and I'm going to get five of these and I'm going to put another three on the on the shelf for stuff. So you want to talk about the importance of, of pre-orders? Yeah, I've I've learned all of those things. All those points you just laid out are the absolute truth, and I've learned them over the last four or five months, to the point where, um, yes, pre-orders. So you'll see me all over social media saying the same thing over and over. You know, showing cool artwork, describing the carriers, um, you know, putting the um, the ordering code, the diamond code out there, the diamond link out there over and over and over. So that, and, and, and explaining to my friends and family, cause it's not just 
the broader world it has you know if you can't get your own uh, friends and family to go to stores you're you're you know you're missing something it's low-hanging fruit right there if you convince your friends and family to go to their local stores what happens is exactly what you just described you know oh this random person off the street wants this carrier's issue well i might as well get another issue another copy or five copies because it looks kind of cool and if this person heard of it maybe other people are going to want it too right so yes you need to tell all your friends and family as annoying as that can be <laughs> uh, uh and then and then yeah uh, you know, there's 25 Facebook groups that I um, that I drop links on from time to time with every issue, and I really think it has helped. <clears throat> now, it's just yes, pre-ordering is the most important. But what I also decided to do for the carriers is compile an email list, and I got together over a thousand email lists. I think uh, or uh, email addresses. I think I, I think the list is about 800 at the moment. But uh, for every issue of the carriers, I email 800. Um, retailers and you know not all of them open the email some of them unsubscribe some of them don't open it and do nothing but there are some who actually open it and it's i believe that they're going to open that they're going to see the art and they're going to see a brief description and they're going to close that email and throw it away but when the ordering times come time comes and they get to the red five section i think there's a better chance of them actually ordering that book if they see the artwork that they've seen before say oh i got an email from this guy this kook um, I'm going to, I'm going to get a couple copies. So, you know, I, and you know, what else I did was I, uh, I offered in my first email to send flyers to people and I got a decent amount of people saying, yes, that sounds great. So I printed up probably six inch by three inch, um, <clears throat> little flyers, paper flyers. And I, and I shipped, you know, a couple of hundred to a bunch of different retailers around the country so that they'd have them right there at their checkout stand, you know? And so people go, Oh, what's this? And, and then people would take that flyer and they'd see the artwork. And then when it does show up in stores, maybe they'll actually pick it up because they've seen it before. So um, yeah, I, I've done my best. And I, and I think I'm pretty proud of the, uh, of the orders we got for carriers number one as well. That's a whole nother subject is uh, pandemic numbers, you know, post pandemic <clears throat> really dropped, you know, obviously, especially for Red Five. And, um, but my book did pretty well. You know, I think it was, one of the top two, possibly the top seller um, post pandemic. And again, those numbers are lower than, than they used to be, but it's a healthy number considering. And I'm, I'm very happy about that. And I think a lot of it was pre-orders as well as contacting retailers directly. Awesome. So um, you, you mentioned Pilot Studios. I believe that's sort of um, like what your Twitter is, but um, yeah. what's you know, I'm going to put a link to like Red Five's um, webpage in the show notes. I'm also going to put a link to the, uh, you know, the previews webpage where people can see some of the uh, the carrier stuff and, and get those codes. But where are the other like good places online to to keep up with uh, with uh, with with you and and the carriers? Well, Ben Ferrari on Facebook is the best place because I post most stuff there. Um, Pilot Studios on Facebook you know, uh, is the second best, best place. Um, so yeah. And then my email is out there. If anybody wants to contact me, Ben Ferrari 44 at Gmail. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I do post on Instagram. I do post on Twitter, <clears throat> but Facebook's really the main, my main Avenue okay. uh, for promoting, um, for better, or for worse. Sometimes I think I really do need a better, um, social media presence. 
especially on Instagram. That's the one everybody seems to like. Uh, so I'm there from time to time. But um, yeah, I'd say Pilot Studios or just Ben Ferrari on Facebook is the best place to see new carrier stuff. Awesome. Well, that that'll be another link that that I put in the show notes. Um, no, I'm going to check in with you um, as we we close up. Uh, uh, thoughts, uh, questions, um, excitement about the book. Uh, anything you want to add here? Yeah, definitely excited to have the book in print. I was thinking that while I was reading it today, the preview cool. copy digitally, I was like, you know what? I'd really like to have this in print and uh, <laughs> hopefully someday get it signed by you too. So very excited. Thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Noah. Nice to meet you. Cool. So Ben, as um, Noah said, um, you have an open invite, um, you know, future issues, uh, season two, let's uh, make sure mm-hmm. we get back and, and we do this again sometime. And Excellent. we promise to only maybe ask you 20 questions about your time at uh, Extreme Studios. We, 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 <laughs> we, won't, we won't, we won't ask you, we won't ask you a hundred. Well, you know what? I love to talk about it. And uh, anybody who knows me knows what a big impact it had in my life. And I don't run from it at all, even though it wasn't, you know, in the end, the best uh, experience. But I loved my time there. So I love to talk about it anytime. Awesome. So as I stated, I'm going to have uh, multiple links in the show notes, Red 5 related, uh, previews related, uh, stuff uh, for, for Ben personally. Um, mm-hmm. If you want to follow the podcast, um, we're on social media. That's Twitter is at ConstructComPod. Instagram is Constructing Comics Pod. And Facebook is Constructing Comics also in the show notes for this, there'll be a pre-launch link for future sci-fi tales. Um, that's launching November 1st of 2021. Um, that has a story. Um, the story idea and art is by Noah. And I, I helped sort of do the scripting there. It's a, uh, it's a tale of, uh, we like to say it's uh, Shakespeare in space. It's called where for are you? Um, there's going to be a link for that in the show notes as well. But I'd like to thank everybody for listening. Uh, Please be safe, be nice to each other, and go out there and make some comics. Thank you.